We are back. The book is The Devil's Chessboard, Alan Dulles, the CIA, and the Rise of America's Secret Government, and we're speaking with its author, David Talbot. Well, there's a curious data set you talk about in the book. I think we just have to mention. Uh, supposed defector Lee Harvey Oswald was not debriefed by intelligent agencies after he returned from the USSR. But even more, much more strangely than that, just six weeks before the assassination, the CIA downgraded their level of interest in Oswald. The day afterwards, the FBI removes him from their watch list, which is, which is very provocative. Yeah, I mean, this is just defies all sort of human logic, the whole Lee Harvey Oswald story. Here's this young, you know, fatherless guy, probably dyslexic, but very smart, but struggles his whole life with uh, various problems. You know, his mother is very neurotic. Um, they're poor. Uh, like his older brothers, he joins the Marines in effect to escape this very sad family life. Um, and he has the markings of a someone of you know a victim his whole life, and he I think quickly is falls into these hands people who see how he can be used. He's stationed uh, in Japan at a base where the CIA flies its spy planes U two uh, the U two out of. Uh, there's always kind of an intelligence shadow uh, from that point on over Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, he, some point, you know, is being groomed uh, for some kind of overseas operation. He, you know, after quitting the Marines under mysterious circumstances, he is allowed to, you know, with suspicious ease, uh, get over to uh, the Soviet Union, um, where, of course, he, in a kind of very theatrical way, renounces his citizenship at the U.S. Embassy, and... Uh, it's all very staged, and that's the way that the people actually worked in the embassy in Moscow felt that he was acting out a part in some way. Um, you know, I think he, Lee Harvey Oswald was a genuinely searching soul. I think he was probably did have uh, a sort of left-wing idealistic ideas. Uh, he was probably genuinely curious about life in the Soviet Union when he went there, but I think he becomes quickly uh, disenchanted with that. Um, but here you have been, you know, after his sojourn in, uh, in Russia, he, this young guy who supposedly has renounced his citizenship has offered to, uh, to you know, share secrets, military secrets that he had gathered while in uh, Japan to the Soviets, and he comes back home with a Russian wife. And yet, is he stopped by authorities? Is he arrested? Is he subjected to intensive interrogation by the authorities? Imagine if someone had gone to fight with al-Qaeda, had come home today, and was allowed to just you know, breeze back into the country and go back <laughs> to their previous life. Well, that's what happened with uh, Oswald. He was allowed to return to his family life in Texas, relatively unmolested. Uh, the FBI finally gets around to questioning him. But it's all, you know, very suspicious. And so as uh, Richard Schweiker, the uh, senator from Pennsylvania who served on the church committee later said, when you look at Lee Harvey Oswald, you see the fingerprints of intelligence all over him. This is a young guy, a naive guy, who was being used in some way, as his wife Marina later said, he you know, tried to play with the big boys, but he was in way over his head. And so by the time he's arrested uh, and charged with the murder of the President Kennedy, what he shouts out to the press at the Dallas police station is exactly what I think he was. I'm a patsy. Uh, he was smart enough to figure it out right away. 
And because he was smart enough, and he probably did know too much, of course, he has to be eliminated. Bob Blakey, who was the chief counsel for the House Assassinations Committee and then later became a Notre Dame law professor, he told me that he thought Oswald was supposed to be killed as soon as he came out of the Texas Book Depository by, you know, a cop or a Secret Service agent or someone who had been given that job. Uh, so he would be silenced, and he'd be the convenient, you know, uh, assassin who wouldn't be able to speak for himself. But, of course, he eludes uh, the capture, and um, he's taken alive. And as soon as he's taken alive, the people who organized the plot against President Kennedy have a very big problem on their hands. And who do they get to solve this? This shady Dallas nightclub owner, Jack Ruby, who looks exactly what he is. He's a mafia thug. He's an errand boy. And he's given the job by organized crime of eliminating Oswald, shutting him up so he can't speak. And it's exactly what he does, of course, on national TV, this appalling moment that I still remember as a kid watching. Yes. Um, Well, Bobby Kennedy, who was probably the country's leading expert on organized crime, going back to his days as chief counsel of the Senate Rackets Committee in the 1950s, and, of course, as attorney general under his brother, had done more than any other attorney general in history to, um, to attack organized crime. He, right away, figures out who Jack Ruby is. He has people look into his background in Chicago and Dallas, and they're reporting to him within hours of the assassination that Jack Ruby is indeed a mafia thug. He's an errand boy. And as Frank Mankiewicz, Bobby's press aide later, told me, when Bobby looked at the phone records of Jack Ruby, all the people that Ruby was frantically talking to in the uh, hours and days leading up to his killing of Oswald uh, read like the names on Bobby's uh, witness list uh, for the Rackets Committee. In other words, these are all mafia figures. So that who, that's who Jack Ruby is talking to, and they're giving him his marching orders. You better do this or else. So um, he does it. So, I mean, Bobby Kennedy was probably our first so-called conspiracy theorist. He figured out pretty quickly, I think, what had happened to his brother, and he figured out that the plot had come out of the CIA's uh, operation, their assassination operation to kill Castro, and that that assassination operation was turned against his own brother. And Bobby Kennedy was intent on opening the case. He was a very shrewd person politically. He He knew he had no power under Lyndon Johnson, his mortal political enemy, or J. Edgar Hoover running the FBI, and Alan Dulles uh, controlling the Warren Commission. These were all the Kennedy's political enemies, and they were all in charge of the investigative machinery in Washington. So Bobby Kennedy knew that he was completely checkmated at that point. His only hope was to run for president, which he did, of course, in 68, and try to get back to the White House and have some power, federal power, to reopen the case. But, of course, he, too, is assassinated before he can get there, and I believe he was assassinated basically by the same forces who killed his brother. It's curious, David, that there's probably nobody in the administration more knowledgeable about the mafia than RFK, and although he sees the connection to Ruby, as you point out in great length in Brothers, the moment JFK is killed, Bobby thinks the CIA is involved. And uh, much to his, I think, probably sorrow, Alan Dulles gets appointed to the Warren Commission. Uh, you note that Mark Lane said it should have been called the Dulles Report when it came out. Uh, Dulles, McCloy, Gerald Ford, they did everything possible to focus on Oswald and not the facts of the case. But if, if anybody uh, was in a position to, to steer the investigation away from the intelligence agencies, that, uh, at least in terms of Oswald, that would have been Alan Dulles. And it appears he did exactly that.
Yeah, no, he was ideally positioned. And, of course, the, the story that gets put out by Lyndon Johnson and others, Lyndon Johnson, of course, who was probably the biggest liar to ever occupy the White House, <laughs> um, is that Bobby Kennedy persuaded him to put Alan Dulles on the commission, which is laughable on the face of it, that Bobby, first of all, would have that kind of influence with LBJ. They hated each other. They were, not even, they were barely speaking to each other after Dallas. And number two, that Bobby would have uh, uh, proposed Alan Dulles, this, uh, this you know, long-time enemy, political enemy of the Kennedys, uh, to play that key role on the Warren Commission. So it's absurd on the face of it. Alan Dulles actually uh, lobbied himself to be put on the commission, and we see who really uh, had the greater authority, who was higher up on the uh, chain of command in Washington, because uh, Johnson quickly folds and says, of course, he'll put Dulles on. And Dulles and McCloy, who's his close uh, associate, another Wall Street banker who's played a big role in government over the years. In fact, like Dulles had served the Kennedys, but was uh, left the Kennedy administration because, out of differences with the Kennedys on negotiating uh, the nuclear arms settlement with the Soviet Union. Another hardliner who did not share Kennedy's foreign policies. So this guy, John McCloy, who's like cut from the same cloth as Dulles and Dulles, really are the two dominant figures on the Warren Commission. And they take it exactly where it's always meant to go, which is to focus solely on Lee Harvey Oswald as the lone gunman and to make sure that Harvey, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's connections to the intelligence community are carefully ignored and covered up. And so what we got was a whitewash, and a, or as Bobby Kennedy put it, a propaganda exercise. That's what he knew it was. That's what anybody in the know knew, whether it was foreign leaders like Charles de Gaulle or domestic leaders here in this country, including Richard Nixon, uh, LBJ himself, uh, Robert Kennedy and others. Anyone in the know knew that this was a sham. And, of course, the American people, in their wisdom, quickly start coming to that conclusion as well. And soon the polls show that 60% or more of the American people don't buy the official version. Alan Dulles gets more and more frantic uh, in the years after the Warren Report comes out because he realizes that it's all falling apart, the American people don't buy it, and he you know, tries to uh, rally his assets, his friends and the media, to keep uh, shutting down this dissent and covering up the crime. And the American media has played one of the most, I think, reprehensible, uh, outrageous roles in American history in collaborating with this conspiracy and cover-up. And a lot of it comes from the fact that Alan Dulles did indeed, and the CIA, have very close relations to the heads of the most important media institutions, whether it was CBS or the Time Corporation under Henry Luce or the Washington Post under the Graham family or the New York Times under the Salzberger family. All of those families, all of those media, elite media institutions collaborated with the CIA on the cover-up of this crime. Well, one, one fact and by the way, they continue to do it, Doug. I mean, the coverage of the 50th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination a couple of years ago was just appalling. There was no kind of, uh, you know, dissenting viewpoints that were offered. It was all Lee Harvey Oswald all the time, and the rest was seen as, you know, uh, loony, loony, you know, conspiracy thinking. Um, so this kind of almost Stalinistic... Um, you know, uh, party-line thinking in the media is just is stronger than ever. And this, despite the fact, the last official word 
we have to remember this. The American people have largely forgotten this. The Alaska official government word on the Kennedy assassination was not from the Warren Commission, but it was from the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 1970s, and that committee found that President Kennedy was indeed killed as the result of a conspiracy. So even though, you know, that was an official report, the American media to this day continues to overlook this and continues to rely on the threadbare, moth-eaten, thoroughly discredited Warren report uh, as the sort of valid version of what happened in Dallas. Well, thankfully, though, David, poll after poll after poll shows the public does not believe what, what the, the official media version is. They, they do believe there was a conspiracy by margins of like, I don't know, five to one, something like that. That's true, because the American people, I think by now, and this is partly the result of having been lied to repeatedly by officials about the Kennedy assassination, have a growing skepticism about authority. And um, that's, you know, the legacy of, uh, of Dallas. It's the legacy of Vietnam, of Watergate, of WMDs and the Iraq War. Again and again, with these very momentous decisions and events, the American people have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, as uh, Malcolm X said, lied to. And the American media is the mouthpiece for this propaganda and these lies the mainstream media, and uh, it's a tragedy, an ongoing tragedy. that We see now the kind of backlash against this in the current presidential campaign. Unfortunately, it's a backlash that goes off in some unfortunate directions, like the Donald Trump campaign. But uh, there's also Bernie Sanders, and I think that's a more positive development. But, of course, Bernie's right. The system is still rigged. It's still corrupt. I think problems we're dealing with now is the legacy that goes all the way back to the Kennedy assassination when our democracy was robbed from us, and we're still trying to get it back. The book we've been discussing is The Devil's Chessboard, Alan Dulles, the CIA, and the Rise of America's Secret Government. We've been speaking with author David Talbot. David, thank you so much for this most enlightening talk, and, and by all means, keep up the good work. My pleasure. Thank you, Doug. That about does it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. You have been listening to Radio Parallax. In what may be a Radio Parallax first, we expect to speak on next week's program to David's sister, Margaret Talbot. Not about political matters, but about their rather famous father, actor Lyle Talbot. We also expect to get some science updates from the Planetary Society's Emily Lakdawalla. We'll see you then.